And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Blue Jackets dedicated, or sorry, the Athletics dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Could be the Blue Jackets dedicated athletic. Um, Aaron Portside here in Cleveland. Tom Reed is on Long. Are you on Long Island yet, technically? No, no, I'm working there. I got two more trains to get there. You're unbelievable. And Allison Lucan is holding on the fort in Columbus, Ohio. Say hello, Allison. Hello. Tom, you you are in an airport, correct? I yeah yeah I got every noise known to man going on. I'm, I'm trying to move around. I'm trying to move around. Texture. Maybe just stay put because they're going to follow you. It's it's Murphy's it's the Murphy's law there. Um, Blue Jackets with a really solid four to two win last night at home against the Minnesota Wild. Down one nothing. No panic. Came back and I thought they. They played a very solid, controlling game from start to finish. Allison, you and I were both there. Um, I don't know how you measure it. I'm measuring it with my eyes when I make that statement. It sure looked like they were in full control most of the night. Yeah, I thought that they were in control. I thought, like I mentioned uh, last night, that they controlled not just play but pace. And I think that, you know, as I dug into some of the numbers there after the game as well, Bob didn't have to be excellent, but Bob played so well when Dubnik just couldn't say the same comparably, and, and that all those little pieces add up to be the difference and get the Jackets the win. Yeah. Any night, any night you get two goals from your fourth line is a good night, Indeed. too. Indeed. And Riley Nash gets one. Uh, Marcus Hanekainen, the offensively emerging Marcus Hanekainen, gets one. 
Um, so a good night all around and, and um, lots of sort of, uh, you know, just subplots here. One of them, and I, we've, I think, all covered teams where there are guys or one or two guys that kind of go in and out of the lineup and they each kind of get a shot. I've never had a coach uh, make it as clear as John Tortorella did last night that he has basically framed his lineup decision as Duclair versus Bjorkstrand. And he wants those two guys to look at it that way, that everybody wants competition within a team. Uh, But him saying last night after the game emphatically, I'm not changing the first two lines. I'm not touching Dubois' line. I'm not touching Jenner's line. And the fourth line's playing really well right now. I'm not taking Dubinsky out of the lineup because he's a really good faceoff guy. And I'm not taking... Winberg out because he's been playing better and better and is just a, a real solid guy in the middle for them. So that leaves that other spot. And I thought Bjorkstrand showed a lot of jump last night. The score sheet didn't do him any favors last night, uh, but he, he played very well, I thought. Um, and he wants Duclair and Bjorkstrand looking at this as them going head to head. Allison, I'll go back to you. What was the mood or the thought today at the rink? Uh, from any of those parties. I'm sure Torts discussed it either the players. Uh, we did hear from Torts first, of course. And, uh, you know, I was, I'm more intrigued, too, at this point of how this decision goes down, right? Because it, it's easy to say whoever's playing better, but if one's in the game and one's not in the game, and we know that Torts has talked about how Duclair needs teaching, and both players are young enough to need development, so... When do you, when do you rule with a with a heavy hand? When do you rule with an encouraging word? And when do you rule with, no, no, I'm teaching you how to do this. And it, it sounds like Torts feels like he and his staff have a good handle on both players. They like they feel like they understand each player and can kind of balance among those variables. And they're just hoping that those guys are honest back with them um, in discussions, in teaching sessions, in video sessions. And that's, you can't make someone talk. And, you know, this is, this is one of the staples, I think, of understanding torts. He's talked about this for years is he'll be as direct as he can be, but you need to be direct in return for things to yeah. remain productive. Um, we didn't see Oliver Bjorkstrand. Um, Anthony Duclair was in the room briefly. Uh, days when they're getting on a flight are always kind of rushed because the guys have to get off the ice, pack their gear, and and then get to the airport. So there wasn't really a lot of time. But I think, you know, Anthony Duclair, he's been in this place before, uh, unfortunately or fortunately. And I don't know that he wanted to share a lot of really um, deep thoughts on, on the situation, but he's saying the right things. You know, he knows the situation. And I think he understands that in some ways, it's a good thing to be on a team with this much talent where you have to fight for the role, and we've just got to see what he does with that. Um, so quick quick little time with him, but uh, looks like we're just going to be watch, watching this battle for the foreseeable future. Yeah, and a couple things there. like like, And, and this has become clear just from talking to some people with the Monsters this morning. It's really unusual how this season's gone. There just haven't been injuries. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jones was out a little bit early, but... They, they have not had guys going up and down 71 because they need bodies in the wake of injuries. So touch wood, as they say in Canada. But but that's the other thing. Like, you know, they, they're they I think the entire forward cast, they had some sickness and they brought Dalby up. But they haven't had guys go down. So it, it is, you know, it's just been a struggle to get guys in there. Tom, you've, you've been at this a, a while as well. 
and I think we've all sort of figured out on our own these how where these roster decisions or these lineup decisions boil down to. I think it's rare for a coach to articulate it and publicly pit uh, in a healthy way one guy against the other. Have you do you recall such a a situation? No, but you know what I think it is. I think it's two guys. They're probably tired. They're two guys. They feel like they they need to prod. Yeah. And I think coaches get frustrated when, okay, we're going to prod you once or twice, and then we're going to expect a response. Yeah. And I think what they're seeing is they do get a bit of a response when they prod them, and then it's back to, wait, you're, we're, we're still looking for the same things. Why do we have to keep doing this? Yeah. So I think what Torts has done is with two of the guys that he feels that way about, all right, you want, you want to play it this way? You against him. Which one of you guys is going to be hungry? And I think, uh, and stay hungry. And I think that would be my guess of where they are. Because I think that they like Bjorkstrand. And when they, they prod Bjorkstrand, they get a little bit out of him, like last night. But I think what happens is he gets into the lineup. And what's Torts always say, don't let it get too good to you. Yeah. I think that's where, and, I, and again, I don't know this is how they feel. But my guess is that Bjorkstrand gives them some things. And then after a couple games, they're like, all right, wait, we're back to this again. So I think that's yeah. – and, and, of course, we've heard Torch say nothing, the same thing over and over again out to Claire. Love his offense and everything. Got to learn to check. Got to learn to – always learn, learn, learn. So I think that's what – I think that's where they are with these two guys. Yeah, it's it's a little – you know, it's, it's got to be a difficult spot for Declare in that he comes in here with that sort of label as a guy that needs to be coached, needs to be watched. He's even admitted he came here to play under Tortorella. And it's almost like that that is a self-fulfilling prophecy in its own way. Like, like I, I don't know that the situation could have even possibly gone off in a way other than this, where Tortorella is going to push and push and push. And no matter what he gets from Duclair, he's still going to want more. And that's probably a good thing, a good standard for him to be held to at this point in his career, because there's so much talent in that player. Um, but it, it is uh, really... Really interesting how it's been put out there so much. Um, and an interesting thing last night, Laurie Schmidt from the fan was, was like, out of you know, like several occasions, oh, my God, look at look at Panera in the shift chart. And then in the third period, uh, Panera stood on the ice for two minutes and ten seconds, which we looked last night. That's longer than the Kentucky Derby ran this year. That's a monster shift by choice. And we're talking about a team that was up the entire night, or at least from the early parts of the second period on. Uh, it's not like they were starving for goals, so they kept sending the top line out there and having them stay out there as long as they could in an act of desperation. Tom, you wrote about this uh, a couple weeks back, and it, it hasn't, I, I don't think, it wasn't written to change things necessarily, just simply to amplify them. But it, it is interesting where this is going. And I think three guys, Panarin was up, near three or maybe was he over a minute long shifts last night or 59 seconds or something something like that yeah yeah but anderson was up there and dubois was up there as well um reek sort of refresh us on your story tom and add some thoughts just about how unusual it is for shifts to go you know this long when i think most coaches don't want anything longer than 45 seconds yeah it's and this has been an issue with him Throughout his career, actually, this is not just this year. Panarin. Now, now let, yeah, Panarin. Let's start by let's walk it one step back. A lot of good players are this way. I mean, this is this has been going on since the beginning of time. 
the best players always feel as though, you know, if I can get one more twirl up the ice, I can make a difference. Yeah. And uh, so this has been going on a while, but it has happened a lot with him. Uh, Torts has addressed this, and it's been an issue, I think, not just with Panarin, and it, with Panarin is the chief offender, but the first line. I was talking to Nick Polino when I was doing the story. He said, look, early in the year, we had a conversation about this, and the first line is a group that, that you know, again, you know, this probably is true with a lot of first lines. They're on the ice a lot. They, they Again, they're, they're your best players, theoretically your best players. They're trying to make a difference. But at the same time, you have guys waiting to get on the ice. It's, you got, it, this goes from the NHL to the beer leagues, right? Guys wanting to get on the ice, and it, it, it screws up shifts. So the other players are like, come on, let's go. I, we, we know you want to do stuff. And the other thing is you worry about guys just getting caught out too long. Now, Panarin just seems like he can go forever. And we've seen him. We, you saw that shift last night. You've seen some other ones where he's just like, oh, my goodness, the guy just – he just won't stop. So yeah, it's something that they, they have certainly addressed and they're probably going to have to address again. Yeah. Allison, any thoughts on this? I mean, what's the, the average NHL shift? It's got to be in the forties, probably upper forties. Yeah. I think it's somewhere like between 40 and 45. And I, you know, to, to build on what Tom was saying and, Again, I am certainly not at an NHL hockey level, but I was joking with Nick after he talked with Tom that he was describing things that happen in adult league or beer league because, you know, Nick said one guy goes out and and eats up all this time. So the next guy goes out and says, well, I'm going to take that much time too then. Right. And so it's, so it, it feeds on itself. And then this is, that's why we were laughing is that these are silly things that we do in house league as well. But, um, Panarin is the kind of player who can do it. Obviously, I think the quote last night from Dubois was that he's never seen the guy sweat or from Wierenski maybe was the quote, but uh, I don't know. From a game management perspective, it is something to keep an eye on. It is. And when you've got them staying out too long and like, to your point, the other lines don't want to wait. Right. And so the next line staying out for 10 seconds longer than right. they normally do, then guys are losing shifts in periods. Let me throw this one out there because I, I wonder, does John Tortorella, everybody knows where this situation is with Panarin. Um, they, you know, they, they've, they had a meeting on Sunday in Detroit uh, that apparently was about Gavrikov, not at all about Panarin. <laughs> the people who were there, it's a long way to fly to talk about Gavrikov. Um, but you, we all know where this is with the Blue Jackets and signing him and wanting to sign him. Is Panarin getting away with something here that he may not normally get away with because they, they're they in a situation where they don't want to come down on him too hard? They want everything to look perfect in Columbus, Ohio. Tortorella was saying last night he doesn't even skate by the bench. Right. Like, he's just over there. And you wonder, I mean, I, I don't think Torch shies away from anything. But I also think he wants Artemi Panarin to stay. Could could Panarin's indecision and maybe the the power he has over this group, the control he has over this clearly desperate hockey team to keep him, could that be impacting the Blue Jackets? Tom, you want that one? Yeah, sure. Well, I will say this. My first thought on that is that I'm on the train now. We got all kind of magic happening here with sounds. You know, he came into the league with Patrick Kane, and you look back at the last four years, Patrick Kane is right there. 
with guys. And, I, and Patrick Kane's a good role model in a lot of situations, at least for ice hockey. <laughs> and maybe this is one where, you know, hey, this is this is all I know. This is what I know. I stay long. I stay on the ice for a long time. I think the first game of the year he won. I don't think he ever left the ice in overtime, right? Right. He just stayed out there forever until he scored. And uh, this is just the way he's doing it. I don't know if Quartz is again. I think this happens with a lot of star players. This is really good podcasting. By the yeah, way. this is great. Well, the commenters are gonna have a ball with this one. Allison, <laughs> tune him out for a second. Uh, oh, Tom. <laughs> Is there any way that this is being allowed to go as it is because of an errant situation? I, I mean, I think it's fair for us to ask the question, but I, I do I do tend to think of torts as we know him to be ultimately about what's best for the team. We've seen him make other unpopular decisions because it's what's best for the team. And I think to to Tom's point, it, it's yet to hurt right it's yet to hurt the team concretely and and i think if heaven forbid something happened i think he would definitely make a change but i mean if he's all about players expressing themselves if this is how panarin expresses himself then how much do you curtail that i mean he was out there for a long time was it the buffalo game in overtime yes buffalo out there for a long time if he doesn't score that goal it's probably an issue exactly right if was he, it Buffalo or Detroit? I think it was the first game of the season. It was Detroit. But there was a game in Buffalo, like two minutes into it, he never came off the ice. And if he he, he shot from above the left circle, and if that shot goes by and that sucker rims around, he I mean, maybe he's got the chance to get back. There was also the game against the Rangers where he had a like a minute yeah. and eight seconds, and then the next year was a minute and 50. He basically finished the game on the ice. And that, even Cam Atkins and his line mates said, that's that's too long. That's yeah. and, and you you look at Cam. I think you know Cam is the leading goal scorer on this team. I think he's as close. He's pretty close to the forty to forty five second. Yeah. I haven't looked at it lately, but he's a guy that kind of respects that. Hey, forty forty five seconds time to get off. Yeah, well, it's an interesting thing. I don't I don't think Torch would would shy away from. I don't think he'd let it go if, if it was an unhealthy thing. But I think Allison makes a really good point. If, if it the moment it backfires, I think it becomes an issue that is addressed. Yes, because um, you, you and, and and also when you start to see Anderson get up to a minute long shift on average, or Pierre Luc Dubois doing the same thing, and it's hard to as a line mate, you know, you try to change um, at the same at the same time. But it, we'll see uh, where it goes. It's, it, now it's going to be something we watch when I don't think normally it was, but it, it's clearly becoming something of interest. So Blue Jackets tomorrow on Long Island. Tom will be there. Tom loves the Coliseum. Absolutely. What uh, Allison Torts was rather um, ornery as you would expect. He loves the Coliseum. He does. He was the coach of the Rangers when they had some great games there. Uh, the island, like like fans in every market, they all know Tortorella. But in New York, he's a bit of a folk hero. <laughs> and you you walk that parking lot from the from the Marriott Long Island across to the Coliseum, and you know there's the fans that sort of tailgate when the weather's nice out there. They all got something to say to to John Tortorella as he goes by. Uh, it's a love it's a love hate thing there. Tell us what he had to say 
today about the the Coliseum and, and bringing another team in there instead of going to the Barclays Center. <laughs> yeah, he was he, in classic torts fashion. You know, the question was posed and just kind of looking for any sort of special nostalgic memory or or something like that. And, and the answer we get from torts is he just hopes that they've replaced the 40 watt light bulb in the coach's room with a 75 watt light bulb because they can't see anything in there. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> so, um, but, and you know, what's funny is that I feel like that, that is legitimately his truth, right? Because when he's there, he's there to win a game and that's all that matters. And if he can't see his stuff in front of him, he can't do his best work. <laughs> so, um, he talked about that. He talked about, you know, going back a long time, a long way with Barry Trotz. Um, but at the end of the day, this is, he's going there with his team to hopefully come away with two points. And I, I did think it was interesting. And I think that once John Tortorella decides he's done with coaching, hopefully he'll share some of these stories more so. But where he did get poetic was talking about playing there with the Rangers and how there's nothing like that competition. There's nothing like it. And he didn't really want to go into it today. And, and I understand why, because he's focused on this team as he should be. But um, just, just to your point of the example of him walking in there, just the, the stories and the experiences that he has in a, particularly in a building like that must, would be spectacular to hear someday. Well, and we've, I mean, we, he, I got him going this summer on his history with trots when they were both coaching in the American hockey league. Yes. Um, and that was hilarious about Trotz coming to the back of the plane and she's yes. isn't this great? And Torto was like, would you get the hell away from me? Like, I'm trying to hate you right now. Torts and Trotz was like, this is great. What a great series. And I was like, get the hell out of my seat. Go. Um, he loves that kind of stuff. The other thing about Torts that I, you see when you, when you cover the team and none of it rises to the level of an individual story, but you go to all these, these rinks in the Eastern seaboard and, all these places that Torts loves these. He loves the, the longtime fans. He loves the history that these organizations have. And one thing that's always amazed me is the old ranks. Philly, where he's loathed. Washington, D.C., where he hated, had the one great altercation with the fan with the water bottle years ago. Um, he knows rink guys in all of these ranks. They all stop to say hey. He all says hey to, to all of them by name. They know stuff about it. it it's a it's a underbelly of the the crusty coach that he doesn't really want you to see. Tom, you've seen stuff like this just in in passing when scrums get interrupted with people walking by and saying hey to torts. Well, I'll I'll, I'll probably get myself in trouble with this story, but I think we were at the garden oh, good. a couple of years ago and. Again, we were talking about ushers and people that work in, in the building and how nice Torts is to them. Yes. And Torts, uh, they, they tell us a great story where Torts was coaching the Rangers. The Rangers lost the game. Torts was, you know, as coaches sometimes get upset with the officiating. Sure. So Torts is over there, like, like over where the officials are, and he's screaming through the door. He's, I mean, he's, there's no confrontation. He's just like, you guys weren't very good tonight, blah, 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 blah. And you know how Torts can get. Then he walks right. By, he turns around, and walks right by the other guys. Oh, how you doing? How's your wife doing? Hey, I hope she's good. I hope every. I hope you have a great holiday. Right. This was just. And I'm. I'm like listening to this story. I'm like, yeah, that's that's John Tortorella right there. Yeah. It's hilarious. It was unbelievable. Yeah. So these games are always fun. Time. You got a good gig tomorrow night. 
Um, yeah, it's a great. We we joke, Aaron, but this is a great arena. It's way better than Brooklyn. And, I, and is this the oh. first game they're playing in there this year? Yeah, uh, maybe. I think it's going to be their first game this season. In in, and I am all for playing as many games possible there as, as opposed to Brooklyn, where I think is just horrible to watch hockey. You know what? There's St. John Arena. Yeah, yeah, good one, Aaron. You know what I'm saying? Like, like play some games there. It's so much better. And I covered the game the Blue Jackets played there the last regular season game. Yeah. Uh, and I have to tell you, the Islanders weren't making the playoffs. It reminded me of, and to Columbus, to Columbusize it again, the people at the old Cooper Stadium. And people mocked and made fun of that, that old dump on Mound Street. But for people who loved baseball and loved going to that place, it was there forever. It was a part of that neighborhood and that community. And the people who worked there lived there. They lived in that neighborhood. That was their thing. And to see the people, there were ticket people walking out of the building at the end of the that game, hugging ushers, hugging the ticket takers. Um, it was it was freaking emotional, I have to tell you. Um, so for them to be back, it, I think it, it's kind of cool. It's certainly nostalgic, and hopefully it'll be a great game tomorrow night. Yeah, I, uh, I agree on all points. Anything to add, Allison? Anything we need to know? No, I think uh, it's just an interesting time to watch this team. They're rebounding in terms of their offensive play and controlling some of the shots that are happening on the ice. So I'm... I'm excited about that, and if you're in Columbus uh, and if you're looking for some more hockey to watch, uh, both the men's and the women's Buckeyes are on the road, um, but if you check those team sites, you can find out where to stream those games online. And I have a point, too, Aaron. They're, 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 you, what you guys Do you know, have a point? There's a big bidding war in the, in the Blue Jackets dressing room right now. They are Everyone's getting in line to be Allison's next subject for Thursday analytics oh, yeah. work. Because that person automatically scores a goal the next week, the next night. That's what, two in a row, Allison? It's, it's two in a row for scoring, and it's one for goaltending. So uh, There you go. Yeah, I, I feel like I should have a service available uh, for hire there. Yeah. Tom, did you hear the bullshit earlier this week from Torts? I'm sorry? Did you put out of this for a second, Allison? Did you hear the bullshit earlier this week from Torts? No. Oh, yeah, he reads Allison. Oh, there you go. Yeah, he acknowledged it. Yeah, well, who wouldn't? Yeah, he's smart. I mean, we all do. We all do. But this is Mr. I don't read anything. I don't read anything. Um, Which I did challenge him on. I know, and he, he stuck to it. He made it clear to my delight that he doesn't read any of my beep. Um, and that's fine. Whatever. I'll go on. Um, I know that my heart will go on. Anyways, it was a good few days for, for Allison. She's a She's available for hire. What's the going rate? I'm imagining the, the the price for such a story right now is through the roof, right? <laughs> We're going on percentages here, actually. I don't want to disclose just one round number. Yeah, it would be unbecoming. It, it would be. be. Un- it would yeah. be. Well, thanks for joining us, Tom. Safe travels and happy travels to uh, your favorite part of the country. Thanks, Aaron. Talk to you yes. soon. All right, Allison, thanks. And uh, folks, thanks for listening. Thanks to David Cook, uh, who, pe- who wrote the theme music here uh he, he's going to be in in long island at the game uh so look for him tom look him up give him a hearty handshake and a and a thank you uh thanks for listening thanks for reading our stuff on theathletic.com and we'll keep cranking this is friday we'll be back with you podcast wise on tuesday so thanks for listening talk to you soon